Hi, it's Lillian from the Help Yourself podcast and today with me all the way from Calgary, I have Malcolm Saunders. Hi Malcolm, how are you? Hello, hello. Yes, welcome. Thanks for having me on. I guess we should clarify, uh, Calgary, Canada, not Calgary, Scott. Uh, <laughs> yeah, of course. I never thought of that. Calgary, Canada. Um, and Malcolm is a, well, he's a raw food chef, but he's also got an incredible business called The Light Seller, which we're going to talk about. But how Malcolm and I met was his mum is Scottish and is the twin sister of one of my best friends, Valerie. <laughs> and Valerie had said to me, you need to, you need to meet my cousin Malcolm. And she's told me all about you and I looked up your website and everything. I was like, oh, I need to go there. So I came to visit your place um, when I was over last time. Um, but I believe you've moved since then. That's right. We were in a new location. It's been one year now. Uh, we uh, The previous one was 10 years. So we had a good run there, but somehow, you know, yeah, so, had to find a new spot. So we're, we're loving where we are. Was it because you had to expand? No, it was, uh, you know, leasing, yeah, time, oh, okay. time to find a new uh, spot, you know, kind of long term. So we're, we're there for the, another 10 years. So can you tell me just a little bit about your health journey and, you know, how you became a raw food chef? And Valerie told me that, um, you know, when she was 18, she was over, you were into meditation, but she was a, a bit more like, where's the bars, where's the nightclubs? <laughs> <laughs> and it's only now she's like realizing oh my he was wise beyond his years <laughs> yeah, so tell us how that. your journey evolved oh absolutely yeah that was that was early on in my journey you know with food nutrition it started when i was 16 where i uh you know literally overnight uh was eating kind of you know standard american diet meat potatoes that kind of thing and uh for environmental reasons decided to shift my diet so i went from uh junk food meat and potatoes to just junk food and potatoes uh, became vegetarian <laughs> and uh, <laughs> It did not go so well because I had no idea what I was doing. And, uh, you know, up until that point, literally food was whatever was quick, easy, and tasted good. Uh, the extent of my culinary, culinary abilities where I knew how to make Pop-Tarts, grilled cheese, and microwave pizza. And my favorite food of the day were breakfast cereals. I could have those breakfast, lunch, dinner, snacks in between, no problem. And I'm talking like Fruit Loops, Lucky Charms, you know, Frosted Flakes, that kind of thing. And, uh, yeah, so that was the beginning of my food journey. And I, I dove right in. And right off the bat, you know, I started having, I already had, but it brought out a lot of symptoms like blood sugar issues, uh, you know, low energy. And you know, here you are, I'm 16, I'm supposed to have all my youth, all my energy, and I could barely make it through a day. And uh, that was the wake up call to like, ah, oh, there's something to this food thing. And uh, I was really committed to the idea of, um, you know, being a vegetarian for environmental reasons and then animal rights and then got into the nutrition piece. And like many of us, when we first start to begin aware of our diet, begin to make positive changes, we get into the idea of whole foods. So crafting things from scratch. And uh, of course, I went in 110%. It was, okay, I'm never eating out of a box. I'm not even going to restaurants. Everything I eat has to be you know made at home fresh from scratch and uh, again with the extent of my culinary abilities there were a lot of failed experiments back then um, and I, I was just trying things you know I, I tried to make brownies out of edzuki beans and Yay. it was a really adventurous creative time uh, still to this day you know my family's like oh Malcolm made it you know like they're unsure you know it's <laughs> 
<laughs> but how many decades was that ago, you know? I've learned a few things, but then that's how my journey started. It was just completely self-taught, uh, a mission to kind of align, you know, how I ate with how I wanted to show up in the world, that the impact that I wanted to have. Um, you know, long story short, more than 10 years later, maybe 12 years, uh, I ended up shifting. I, no longer a vegetarian. I'm, I'm actually no longer of any diet, any persuasion. Uh, I've let go of all the all the names, all the titles. Maybe actually the only title I, I, I do like to wear is uh, one of flexitarian, uh, yeah. <laughs> the opportunivore, um, and just you know that idea of intuitive eating. You know, following my gut more than nutrition trends, and uh, you know, following those nutrition trends initially, uh, you know, helped me you know learn a ton, get experience, get immersed in different diets, trying. And figure it out through experience. Yes. Uh, I've got a, a method I teach now that helps people because I, I know I'm not the only one that was confused about what to eat. And uh, so it's it's these five lens, four lenses. Um, it's an acronym I call a food scope. So uh, S C O P and E. You can think of each of these as a, as a lens that will give you insight into whether or not any food or any diet is is right for you. And uh, so the first one being science pretty obvious. I mean, none of these were shatteringly shocking. It's just, it's just kind of a logical system. It's like, oh, okay, of course. Now science can tell us what's in a food and what its nutrients, benefits, properties are, right? Uh, very wonderful. Now, would we, should we just eat based upon science alone? No, uh, it is good, it's great, it's wonderful, but it's advancing all the time. So we need to realize it has limitations, right? It, it doesn't know everything, it's still young, especially when it comes to nutrition science. Uh, there's still so much we don't know and just put it in its right place. It's, it's one useful lens. Um, next one would be culture. Now, where nutrition science is young, you know, cultural history of, of food, of nutrition is, you know, you can go back as far as we possibly can. It's, it's a very long track record uh, and therefore a very, very, very useful lens to look at any food and any diet, right? How has it been used culturally? What were its benefits? What were its properties? And uh, no, of course, we can't just eat based on culture alone. A lot of people will do that. Just like, oh, this is how my ancestors ate. Maybe not realizing, uh, you know, how did our ancestors actually truly eat? You know, I mean, I, one part of my journey, I was uh, a bit still kind of lost, still confused, just navigating it. And uh, it was a mentor of mine says, just go back to how your ancestors ate. I was like, what, the Scottish? <laughs> it's a bit scary <laughs> right which which of course you know relates to to modern day scottish diet where there's there's a lot of obesity there's a lot of heart disease um because of the modern foods you know how did people of the olden days eat you know well when it comes to you know animal foods for instance it was the whole animal it was whole foods right consumed the organs everything that helps balance that diet out um, you know, used, used herbs. Uh, so we can really, really dive into uh, a cultural diet. And then, of course, we've got to put it in the context of today, the context of now. Uh, but diet, through the lens of culture, we can get so much insight from that. And uh, the O, the next one would be uh, opinions, others' experiences. And they can really help us fast track uh, where we want to go. I, I know I've had numerous experiences, you know, friends, people I admired, uh, people who, you know, who I felt had, had figured it out, right? I wanted to learn. I was like, wow, like, what are you doing? How did you? 
what are, what are you incorporating? And uh, sometimes that was bang on for me. And other times I was like, ah, okay, it might work for you, not for me. And again, we've got to put it into context. Only of us that navigate the world of food and nutrition, we look to the gurus, we look to all these experts. And, uh, you know, one thing that I kind of failed to do early on was, you know, as I was immersed in this kind of raw food journey, I was dragging my wife and, you know, infant daughter along at the same time. And that was a big mistake, right? Uh, and, and fortunately, you know, we didn't go too far that it created uh, too much damage in that sense. But, you know, most of the people we're listening to were in a much different stage of life. Maybe they were, you know, male, maybe they were in their, you know, mid thirties. Uh, maybe Absolutely. they were going through, they needed that diet for, for healing versus building versus the beginning stages of life. Uh, and so that's where actually I came back to culture. I was like, okay, you know, every culture around the world has specific diets uh, for, you know, preconception, you know, during that gestation period, then the nursing, and then recovery for the parents afterwards. Uh, culturally, there was that wisdom encoded. Uh, and a lot of my modern diets, you know, like uh, what other people are doing, uh, it's, it's a different scenario. So again, a very useful lens, but put in context. Then the last one, the most important one is personal experience, right? So science can say all it wants, may have a cultural track record, everyone's loving it, but if it doesn't fit you, if it doesn't fit your personal experience in that moment, then forget about it, right? So that's where we need to bring all these lenses together uh, to figure out what's the best food and diet. And we can get to this place of intuitive eating, following our gut more than nutrition trends, being that flexitarian, and uh, yeah, it's, it's a great place to be. I, I finally arrived. <laughs> <laughs> it's so true. I often say that to people. And I think it's maybe more obvious in women, particularly if, if, if they have children and then you've got the menopausal age, you know, your, your needs change. Like if you're tra training for a marathon, you're going to eat and train differently than if you're, you know, going to be at a desk all day, you know, so it, it does change and the body will uh, guide you. But most of us are so out of touch with the body. That's the thing. And yeah. Um, and yeah, like you, I've done all, I like to try things out in my own body so that I can speak from a place of experience. And I always say that to people, you know, all diets work, but if you don't like them and you don't do them, they'll never work. So everybody has a little bit of intuition looking at, a, you know, a healing plan and go, I could do that, you know, but I couldn't do that. You know, so you just have to start somewhere. And I, yeah. as I was always say in Scotland, just don't eat shite. <laughs> Right. Yeah, yeah. yeah <laughs> it's kind of simple. You bring up some interesting points there, and this kind of relates back to the meditation. So, if, you know, if somebody's listening to this and like, oh, well, intuitive eating, just, just eat what I want, right? That means, you know, I have some donuts, you know, this and that. Like, yeah, obviously, so it is a bit of a journey. There's a couple of key things there. Um, so first and foremost, we need to get back to a, a more natural diet. There's a lot of admixtures, ingredients, things like that in our modern uh, industrialized food diet that, you know, tricks the brain, you know, like high amounts of salt, high amounts of sugar, high amounts of fat, um, or chemical preservatives, you know, things that are going to mix, mess with the, uh, the brain chemistry. Uh, so the more we can get back to just natural foods in their, in their natural state, natural chemicals, you know, colors, smells, aromas, and tune ourselves to that versus kind of, you know, something that's, that's been perverted which is kind of playing on our, our, our cravings and then within that too we have a microbiome this is our the idea of our probiotics and if we have that imbalance you know if we've got too high of candida uh, parasites these kinds of things then that can start to influence our brain chemistry where we can get these kinds of cravings uh, so we need to bring that into balance and then the last part is is that listening that inner listening you know and that's where the meditation comes in 
you know, the body speaks to us all the time. Uh, we, we're just unaware of its language. We haven't been listening. And uh, that's the space that meditation can bring us to. Uh, absolutely. Now, I want to talk a little bit about the light cellar because it's such a phenomenal place and the, the, the chocolate machine, because <laughs> you're making this delicious, healthy chocolate. Because in actual fact, the cocoa bean has, is really high in antioxidants, high ORAC value. Um, but obviously, it's just the way some companies process it. It kind of ends up not being the superfood that it actually is. And I remember seeing your huge big vat and your team were like, creating all these amazing snacks and they just seem to be absolutely loving their job and I know that you, you well you used to go I don't know if you still do because I know you've got a baby now and um, yeah. to Ecuador to source your own beans so tell us about the chocolate the chocolate oh yeah absolutely well you know you, you laid a nice little intro there talking about you know the difference between you know cacao which is the source of all chocolate uh is truly it's, it's a superfood it's incredible you know the the nutrient density that's there the unique chemistry that it has and, and we all know this is why it's one of our most kind of favorite beloved foods uh but what has happened is kind of in, in the industrialization of that food uh not only in the processing you're absolutely right you know what you know chocolate makers do to it the things that they add to it kind of degrades the quality uh, it's also actually even in the uh, the variety you know like the heirloom so I'm really into kind of heirloom I'm into wild genetics you know real true authentic uh, natural foods versus ones that have been uh, maybe bred hybridized for certain commercial qualities right you know everybody wants the nice big red tomato with no blemishes uh, you know that's big and, and so on and so forth well you know you know breeding and how we're raising those in the middle of January let's say uh, sure it looks like a tomato kind of sort of smells like a tomato but certainly doesn't taste like one and uh, you know we've all had that experience where the difference is you know maybe it was your grandmother I know you know our, our grandparents uh, they, you know, they grew vegetables and, and tasting it like right off the plant um, that again that heirloom variety you can go to the farmers market find those funky ones uh, there's more to them there's more character there's more flavor there's more aroma uh, and therefore no more nutrition right again these these are all clues you talked about the antioxidants you know colors pigments are, uh, are are clues to the nutrition and the smell and so when we choose foods that are naturally full and rich of that uh, we're, we're getting more uh, from it so cacao is exactly the same way so first and foremost it starts with the genetics uh, what type of variety? So we specifically source out an heirloom variety that's put Ecuador on the chocolate making map of the world for having fine flavor, fine aroma. And this is, uh, it's called the Riba Nacional and it's their kind of celebrated variety. But what's interesting, what's happening down there is that there's also the rise of this industrial variety, which is a major producer. It's a great workhorse. You can plant the trees and very early on, you can get a yield and you can get a big yield. Uh, uh, so it's very appealing uh, kind of from a, a production standpoint, but here's what's wrong with it, right? Is that uh, it, it doesn't have that flavor. It doesn't have that aroma. It doesn't have that nutrition. So everything that we think is really good about chocolate, you know, is only here in the kind of the more wild, the more heirloom genetics versus, you know, the industrial uh, crop 
And so there's a bit of divide down there. So you got to really source out the good chocolate. Then when you get it, it's all about uh, the processing and really bringing out those good flavors. And what we do is we use chocolate as a delivery system. So we're making it from scratch. The whole natural foods and sweeteners are going in there. And then we're adding in superfoods. We're adding in medicinal mushrooms. Uh, so it becomes a delivery system because I like to say chocolate is the Trojan horse of good nutrition. No matter what you put inside, it gets past anyone's pearly gates. <laughs> <laughs> and before I forget, I just love malchemy. <laughs> oh yeah, totally. Yeah. I was like, that is total genius because it is chemistry, isn't it? Um, yeah. And you know, and that's what was obvious there. You guys were creating things and it's, but from a place of knowing and understanding, how the body assimilates and absorbs and how information travels and yeah so you're you know it's, it's delicious um, therapeutic remedies really totally that's that's what food should be it should be a celebration you know and and uh, fortunately there there is a movement in business uh in particular in the food movement uh from from wall street to main street right this relocalization i think we've all realized that kind of the, the wholesale industrialization of our food system has produced very poor quality food that's high in calories but very low in nutrients yeah. and so we're flipping that equation we want nutrient density we want in at least amount of calories as possible with the flavors coming through and uh, this idea of the craft the artisan you know people who are inspired who love what they do who are so knowledgeable that's who I want creating my food because it, it yes. tastes better, number one and we know it's more nutrition it feels good and that connection that you get you know going to the market you know meeting the farmer uh, you know getting your bread from the baker that's that's kind of the resurgence that, that we're going back to and, and, and it feels good yeah absolutely fantastic and you so what else tell me the whole thing because I, I read the bio and um, the bio and your kind of mission statement um you make other things obviously not just chocolate so tell us about your other products and how you yeah, why so you chose them yeah totally so the, the biggest overarching kind of mission that we're on is, is we're helping people find and craft and learning how to craft their own food and medicine uh for for anyone on any stage of their journey maybe they're like me you know just jumping in and, and they know they things could be better uh we're, we're a resource uh to, to help right it's like oh you only know how to make pop tarts okay come on let's, let's get you into fermentation let's get you into this or that uh we generally do get a lot of people that are you know at least a few steps down their journey started to make changes in their diet and are unsatisfied with kind of what's found in, in kind of the the average grocery store even even a lot of health food stores you know maybe it's just pills and it's like well, where's where's the real food where's the variety uh most grocery stores actually have a very limited selection uh, especially compared to what our ancestors used used to eat uh, hundreds of different species you know variety constantly and uh, so we have quite a unique selection it spans all the way from uh, different nuts seeds dried fruits uh, herbs sea vegetables algaes medicinal mushrooms uh, you know you name it so it's a place that people can access uh, things that they can maybe not find anywhere else or if it's something a little bit more common it's it's the quality is really high whether that is like we talked about on the chocolate you know that the genetics are different um, so therefore you need less to get the same job I mean they say now with a, like a simple carrot for example and um, it's got about 40% of the nutrition that it had even 30 years ago you know because of the degradation of the soil 
So therefore yeah. you have to eat two and a half carrots almost to get the same amount of nutrition. And, and what you're doing is actually the opposite of that. It's, it's, you're, you know, it's dense, it's thoughtful, it's intelligent. Um, and and, and that, that's, it always ends up getting driven by money, which is the, the saddest thing. And now this whole lockdown thing, I think people are, have got a bit of time to breathe and think. So I, that's what I'm hoping anyway. <laughs> Yeah, and become yeah. more mindful you know we're um, in the process of writing a book for the Heal Scotland movement and it's about that um, recipes, remedies foraging and when you were saying there about the variety Claire who's the medical herbalist we had this huge salad lots of different green leaves a lot that just we got from the roadside or you know yeah. up in the field and some that she planted and flowers and I said to her write down everything that was in that well the list is <laughs> about 30 different things and I was like what all edible and fresh and just lying there pretty much and yeah. nobody knows about it I mean we are so lucky in Scotland and Canada does the same There's, everything's there it's just yeah. a case of understanding and then obviously taking your knowledge into action yeah, for sure. And I, I love that, you know, my, my approach and it sounds like you're on a similar wave is this idea of, you know, um, adding in, right? So when I first started my diet, I was like, you know, I'm not going to do this, going to change this, going to flip my life upside down. And, you know, that, that kind of sort of worked for me to kind of, you know, and it, but it took a number of years. And what I've seen is a more successful approach is, okay, keep doing what you're doing, but we're going to do two things. We're going to, you know, upgrade the quality of what you're eating, right? So if you're eating, you know, conventional carrots, or tomatoes or this and that from the regular store okay first we're going to go to organic and then we're going to go to if we can like biodynamic locally sourced keep increasing the quality of the foods we already consume so it's not like a radically different you know change of lifestyle diet so on and so forth just increase the quality um because one of the things i realized you know uh, about the whole kind of vegetarian thing it, it, the conversation's not plants versus animals right I mean that that's what it was for me for a long time all yes. oh, you know animal foods are bad they destroy the environment not good for your health so on and so forth um, that is only a half truth right so that's related to industrialized food production which equally applies to plants right so industrialized yes. food production of plants you know corn soy canola you know monocultures um, you know all that is equally equally damaging to the environment, to the health, all social implications. So it's not the food, it, it's the source, it's the uh, where and how it's raised and the quality. So if we can upgrade on that end, we're going to do massive, massive uh, changes for our health benefits, so on and so forth. And then the other part of the equation is the adding in, keeping adding in new and different and unique foods, uh, things that we've never been exposed to, like you said, like things that are growing literally in our back yard if we can discover what those are what their benefits are properties and at first you know it is it's just a little nibble right you hear about okay dandelions are so good right every single part of the dandelion is edible it is medicinal now does that mean that I'm gonna sit down and eat a bowl full of dandelion greens or expect <laughs> anyone else to no uh, it's a journey to get there just the fact of just nibbling on it just to explore you know the, the foodscape I like to call it you know that literally grows all around us wherever you are in the world and that's tapping into that cultural knowledge that cultural wisdom you know what did I'm always fascinated you know I love the world of herbs love the world of herbalism I love exploring the Chinese and the Ayurvedic and the Amazonian like it's, it's exciting but the one thing I always encourage people to do is, is learn about 
those that you know were that lived here before us how did they survive when they didn't have the convenience of grocery stores when they didn't have the convenience of pharmacies now we're fortunate it's not meant to be a replacement but it's a again this idea of adding in and expanding our palates expanding our knowledge you know one nibble at a time you know even just nibbling on a little bit of dandelion because of the bitterness, right? It's the flavor. You can't actually sit down and most people wouldn't be able to do it because the, the flavor is too much. But that flavor is very medicinal, helps stimulate the bile, helps increase digestion. So just that little bit, you know, just on that physiological impact alone is worth it. But there's also something deeper, more metaphysical, that you're, you're deepening your connection to your land, you're broadening your, your kind of uh, food scope in, in that way. Absolutely. And I had a very interesting dandelion tea um, experience just a few weeks ago because I just went out and picked a lot of dandelions and put them in a teapot and drank it. And then next thing, I was like, oh, what's going on here? Because I was like, oh my God, that's that tea. And again, it was a really good lesson because I was like, you're, you're, again, you're, not, you're just not thinking about the quantity, right? The, the dose. You wouldn't put 20 antibiotics or 20 aspirin in your mouth. I just... I hadn't, you know, I was a bit mindless <laughs> about it. I didn't think, I didn't really take the power of the plant into consideration. It was a really good learning experience because I was like, oh, okay, you need to treat this with respect. Yeah, you know? for and, sure. Um, and I think we've, we've been raised in a culture that, uh, you know, it's, it's mindless eating. Oh, just a bag of chips, you know, just eat this, eat this. It's like, because it's empty calories, right? It's just in they go, in they go. I got to constantly feed, you know, but the more mindfulness that we can bring to, to everything we eat, we, the more, the healthier we'll be for sure. I know. Absolutely. I know that you're short of time. How much more time do we have? Oh, we got, we got 10 minutes. Oh, fantastic. Now, can you, are your products available online? Yeah, we, um, you know, I guess, spoiler alert, in some sense, uh, we don't, we don't ship very far. Uh, we're mostly a, a local, local business. And, uh, you know, we, some people look at me and go like, oh, what, what are you doing? You know, you could be making so much more money, but this is exactly what we've talked about. You know, I am so inspired about the local food movement. And, and I'll just throw in a caveat. I, you know, what I offer to my local market is, you know, food literally from around the world. Some of it travels a very long way uh, to get here. It's, it's, it's the spice of life in that sense. So as much as I'm into kind of more a localized diet, I think the majority of our calories, especially the fresh ones, you know, the meat, the milk, the veggies, you know, eggs, whatever you guys, whenever anyone is eating, the better we can source that locally, uh, the better off, you know, we'll be on so many fronts. But it's, it's that kind of the spice of life. The, the exotics and the erotics, you know, like we've always been trading, uh, you know, spices, salts, you name it. Yes. And, uh, that's, that's something that, uh, that we do offer things from farther afield. And then interesting too, as, as people get into that, what's emerging in the kind of local food markets is, you know, people start growing exotic things like Shizandra is growing in, in North America now, uh, you know, goji berries, uh, you know, you name it. So we can actually source that locally. Um, so I do have a web store. We have a lot of learning, a lot of online education. People can find out our YouTube channel. It's a light seller or sorry, the light seller at YouTube, tons and tons of videos. Uh, we've got some online courses on our web store as well. Um, we do some shipping, but 
again, I'm just more into kind of providing for the for for my community in that sense. And, and we do ship all over Canada. I, I get it, but we we rarely ship overseas. Uh, but if you get any inspiration from us, you know, see see who's got it. You know, try and find it in uh, in Scotland or wherever you're watching. We need to get Val to open the Scottish light cellar. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, so that's fantastic. So we'll put, we'll put the links on, um, you know, for people to do more research because I think, you know, you're very clear and concise and people need that, you know, in this like absolute mass of confusion around food right. <laughs> and breathing. They're starting to complicate breathing now as well. So let's oh, just no. finish off in meditation because I think we, we all understand that the, the food thing, that we're, we're treating it like a drug. We're, we're eating our feelings away. So the meditation and or whatever, you know, kind of relaxation, I mean, deep relaxation into the subconscious mind that you do um, can really assist in helping you to stay focused. Because that's one of my big things about the Heal Scotland movement is that we are tribal and we do tend to end up copying the people around us, which is the real reason that you need to have your tribe and you need to be with people that are going to keep you, you know, in the nicest possible way on track and inspire you about all the the good things and the energy, etc. Um, instead, you go into the office and it's like rolls and sausage and tomato sauce and you know cans of coke, etc. So yeah. I think that's the reason why we all need to make an effort like yours. And I love that idea just to add in. I think that's yeah. a really doable concept. So you can go to the supermarket and just pick up a couple of organic things and just get started. And it's that taking action, isn't it? But tell me about the kind of meditation that you do because again. There's so much confusion um, um, around it. So how do you switch off? Yeah, for sure. So I, I trained in a, in a technique called the Vipassana, which is, you know, something that the Buddha taught. Uh, it's not religious. There's no dogma or anything. It's just kind of pure observation, just going internally, uh, starting off with kind of watching your breath, which is a way to kind of sharpen and focus the mind. And then really it's all about just turning internal, just observing one's own sensations. And, you know, the idea of, of kind of formally meditating is, is just, it, it's literally, it's a practice. So you'd be able to bring that awareness awareness into your everyday it's, it's that idea of like yoga on the mat yoga off the mat you know it is a practice it's all fun and be like oh nice and peaceful while you're doing your yoga session but you get in your car and you get into traffic and you're you know you're reacting and you're getting upset um, the more that we can bring that awareness of, of, of sensations of feelings right whether it's something that we're eating or we're, we're trying to avoid through food uh, it's, it's the observation of, of of our feelings that they just come and they go and our thoughts, they come and they go. And it's just an observation. It's impermanent. Uh, and just really bringing awareness to, uh, to oneself. And, and that, that plays huge in terms of, of intuition. That's, that's where things arise on that deeper surface as well. So it just, yeah, so many benefits calming the mind, which then allows the body to calm down. It's like, Oh, actually I'm, I'm holding tension here or I'm, you know, stressed out. Um, but also it just allows for more, uh, communication from one's own body as well as, you know, how you know, the mind and the body is kind of interacting and inter interrelating with the outside world and other people. All those messages start to be become clear. Yeah, absolutely. So many benefits. And earlier on when I was just learning the technique, it did tons of like a couple of years of just hours and hours and hours a day of practicing. I was really kind of focused on that. And that was the first phase of my life. And, you know, I, I, I joked at some point, I was, I was like, oh, thought I was going to become a monk and this is what I'm going to do but uh, no it was, uh -huh. it was 
go deep to practice. And uh, what I realized, I'm, you know, I want, I want to be in the world, you know, and I want to help be part of the positive change versus kind of running away from it. Uh, I spent a lot, a number of years, yeah, not wanting to be a part of the world. I didn't like the direction it was going. I couldn't really relate to a lot of people uh, and kind of the insanity of our kind of, you know, modern lifestyle. And so, so I retreated and that was served me very well in terms of getting to kind of truly find myself, uh, develop some inner strength, develop that inner calm uh, to now be in the world as, as a force of change for a force of, of good. Fantastic. I was just going to ask you that question. Do you feel that all that practice has helped you to create this beautiful, mindful, conscious business? Oh, Obviously. yeah, absolutely. And what about your team? Because I know that the people are queuing up to work with you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. We got a we got a great team, and uh, yeah, I'm I'm really about uh, helping people on on their journey. I never want to give anyone a job. I want to give them an opportunity to to learn, to grow, to develop their passion. And whether they stay with me, I say it right up front. I was like, whether you're here for three months or three years, it, it doesn't matter. As long as that you're inspired, that you're learning, you're going forward, and there's that equal kind of contribution that you know you give your all, and we'll give our all to you. Um, there's there's no sense of just just, ah, oh, job, I gotta show up, I gotta go do that today. It's like, no, you ever have that sensation, it's time to go, you know, like, move yes. on. Uh -huh. And just encouraging people that that's okay, you know, it can yeah. run, it's the reason or the season, isn't it? Yeah, so that is fantastic. Sure. Well, listen, it's been brilliant to talk to you, totally inspiring, and um, thank you so much for your time. Um, and we'll, I'll, we'll set out the leads uh, for your website, for your YouTube channel, and um, people can get more of your um, inspiration there. Thanks yeah, so much. Cool. Well, I thoroughly enjoyed chatting with you this morning. Thanks so much for having me on and thanks for everyone that's listening and uh, reach out anytime. You know, people can find me on Brilliant. Instagram. Uh, and if you're in Calgary, Canada, um, yeah. <laughs> they can go and actually buy that wonderful medicinal chocolate. Yeah. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Malcolm. Okay, for sure. Thank you.